Corey Ten Boom, um, <clears throat> if you've not seen the movie The Hiding Place, I would encourage you to do so because Billy Graham Organization uh, did a, a movie, a film on uh, Corey Ten Boom's life. And in that story, it talks about um, the importance of giving thanks in all circumstances. During World War II, uh, Corey's family uh, would hide Jews in their home, which was against the law. Uh, so one of their friends, the, one of the friends of the family, uh, decided to betray the Ten Boom family, called the authorities, and the uh, SS came into uh, their home, uh, found uh, the Jews they were hiding, and then arrested the entire Ten Boom family, sending them off to uh, a variety of different concentration camps. Corey and her sister Betsy were sent to Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp, and specifically, they were in barrack number 28. In that particular barrack, it was overcrowded, and it was uh, known for the fleas that lived there. Uh, one morning, Betsy, who had snuck her Bible into the concentration camp somehow, was reading out of 1 Thessalonians 5, where it says to give thanks in all circumstances. And so she and, and, and Corey were having this conversation. And, and Betsy says, uh, we've got to give thanks for these barracks, uh, Corey, and even for the fleas that are in here. And Corey said, no way. There's no way I'm going to give thanks for these fleas. I hate these fleas. They're creepy. So... Betsy was, would not relent, and she kept pushing it. And so finally, finally, Corey said, okay, okay, Betsy, let's thank God for the fleas. And, and they did. Well, during the months that followed, uh, they found that their barracks, 28, had been uh, relatively free from supervised authorities. And because of that, they were able to have their Bible studies openly. They would talk openly, pray in their barracks, and... Um, it became a place of refuge uh, for these women. And after a while, every night they would have these Bible studies. It attracted more and more of the women in Barracks 28. And one of the women made this observation and said, hey, why don't the guards ever come in here and check on us? And um, somebody mentioned, well, it's all because of the fleas. They don't want to be part of the fleas, man. And so... Um, Corey said, yeah, that's right. And so we thank God for the fleas. Now, that seems a little messed up, doesn't it? I mean, uh, how can you get to that point to thank God for the fleas, but something good did come out of it, right? And uh, because of the fleas, the guards from the camp did not hang out and gave them the liberty to, to have their studies. So, so there's good. There's good in giving thanks. And this morning... Um, as we just kind of remember, remember, we remember and we gave thanks to Christ for what he did on the cross, um, Jesus uh, kind of tells this story of where he was involved and that Jesus, he notices, he, he notices everything and he notices that um, when we are grateful and where we're not. And so let's go to the book of Luke 17 and um, pick it up at verse 11. And it's, 
Jesus touching the untouchables, and, and um, we'll, we'll get more into that in a moment. But uh, you may have heard this story, and, and there's a danger uh, at times when we overhear something, we become used to it um, and kind of check out. So I, I just challenge you to stay engaged. On the back of your program, there's an outline, and uh, by all means, fill in those blanks. So Luke 17, verse 11. Always good to bring your Bibles, always good to read your Bibles, and we're reading it right now. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And you'll notice there's a footnote there. Literally, it means your faith has saved you. So this morning, as we look at Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy, in a concentration camp, being able to say, Lord, thank you for the fleas. What's going on in your life this morning that you need to thank God for? We, we see that um, um, Jesus was um, on the move. We look at Luke 9.51. It, it kind of uh, builds a little history to where we're at in this text. But as the time drew near, for Jesus to ascend to heaven, ascend to heaven. Remember, we hit that Mount of Olives, remember? Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. What was that about? Because he was on his way to be crucified, to pay for your sin and my sin. Notice it says, Jesus resolutely set out. In other words, he knew what was before him. It wasn't going to be easy, but he wanted his Father's will to be done, not his. And so that's why he resolutely set out. Now listen, I personally believe that we need to be resolute in our decision to live our lives to finish strong spiritually. Jesus wanted to finish strong. That's why he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He wanted to fulfill his purpose in life. You and I need to make that same decision. We need to resolutely set out and say, I am going to finish strong, spiritually. If you don't, if you don't do that, I think we just kind of waver and go with the wind and the waves, whatever direction they're blowing, you know, whatever happens, happens. No, we need to be, we, we need to be uh, Intentional. And say, man, I'm going to finish strong. And, um, and so Jesus is a great model for us this morning with that. So, so number one in your, in, your, uh, in your notes, Jesus on the road again. Isn't there a song like that? Something like that? Jesus is on the road again. <laughs> hey, that's good. That's good. He's on the road again because look at verse 11. As Jesus continued 
He's continuing. He was resolute in, in Luke 9. Now Luke 17, he's continuing. You see that? On the, toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Let's look at um, the map. We have to look at a map, right, to see what's happening. This is, this is Israel right here. This is the Sea of Galilee, very beautiful area. Hey, uh, Caleb, can we see that, that other image, you know? No, the other one, the, the real one. Yeah. Whoa, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That's the Sea of Galilee right there. Whoa, man. That makes me want to go back again. Right there. All right, let's go back to the map. That's a good visual, but that's the Sea of Galilee right here. This is Galilee. It's very lush, and you saw that in the picture. It's lush, it's green, beautiful. And here's the, the border right here to Samaria. This is where Jesus is along this border. Galilee, Samaria. Boom. He's there, and he's there on purpose. He's there on purpose. He's in your world right now on purpose. He's on the road again. He's, he's walking with you. He's on the road again. He's with you along the way. Because, man, these, these lepers, they were in desperate need, which leads us to number two. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. That was protocol back in the day. Leprosy was contagious. Leprosy was creepy. It, it ate away your body. It, 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 would, it would eat into your nervous system so that you would no longer feel pain. Uh, you, could, you could put your hand on a stove, feel nothing, and it would burn your hand off. God has created your body with nerve endings so that it will protect yourself from pain. Right? Aren't you glad for that? Yeah. We could say, Lord, thank you for our nerve endings, you know, so we can feel pain. I don't want to burn my hand. Right? We could, we could stop and do that. But he's on the frontier, Galilee and Samaria. Samaria was where the Samaritans lived, and they were considered half-breeds because back in 722 B.C., when, they were, when the Jews were under Assyrian captivity, some of the Jews married Assyrians, and so their blood was mixed. To the pure Jew, they looked as inferior. Samaritans were half-breeds. They were, they were inferior to the Jews. And so that created this tension between Jews and Samaritans that, that was very strong back in Jesus' day. The Jews would bypass Samaria, and the Samaritans hated the Jews because of the way they treated them. So there was this conflict. But... In this text, you see 10 men with leprosy. And you're going to find out, where we'll find out along the way here, that one of them was a Samaritan. And the other nine were Jews. What, what were they hanging out together for? Because they had a common problem, leprosy. It broke down the barrier, you see. In Leviticus 13, 45 and 46, this is part of the law. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out, Unclean! Unclean! 
How would you like to do that? And when you did that, people would just move away from you. They would just... And that's how lepers lived. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. They had their leper camp outside of the villages and cities. If you watch Ben-Hur, you'll see Ben-Hur's mother had leprosy. His sister had leprosy. That's a good image. That imagery is good. It, it's, it's a good picture of how these people lived. And so, um, because they were isolated, it says here, Jesus goes, he's starting to go into the village, and, and these ten lepers are at a distance. They had to keep their distance because of leprosy being contagious. And so, Jesus has a collision with them. And I'm so glad that he chose not to avoid these lepers. We see in the Old Testament, there's two cases where people had leprosy and they were healed. One, Miriam, who was disputing the authority of Moses. She, she was disciplined by God for seven days with leprosy. She had to go outside the camp because of the leprosy. As a reminder, God was saying to Miriam, don't mess with the authority, that chain of command that I've set up here. You know, I'm serious about it. The second one was Naaman. He was the general of Syria who had leprosy, and he had a Jewish slave girl who told Naaman's wife, hey, back in Israel, there's a prophet by the name of Elisha, and he can heal people. And so Naaman didn't want to walk around with leprosy anymore, so he takes a trip into Israel, knocks on Elisha's door, and Elisha says, go down to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times. Not twice, not five times, Seven, seven times. And on the seventh time, boop, boom, he's leprosy free. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Seven here, 700 years had gone by, and now we're with Jesus on this border. And he meets with this group of 10 lepers. Let's see what happens now. Number three, Jesus hears the desperate. You need to understand that Jesus, he's God, and all of his faculties are fully engaged on you. So he's walking, he collides with 10 lepers, and, and number three, he hears the desperate. I don't know if you've ever been in that place in your life where it, 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 it can be in the middle of the night, you wake up and, and you feel this uh, emptiness, you know, like maybe even in like a dark clouds sweeping over you and you can cry out to the Lord at 3.32 in the morning and he hears you. He hears your voice. And here, he hears the desperate. Look at verse 12b. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. What were they doing? Verse 13, crying out. What does that mean? That means they were Yelling, all ten together in unison, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It's interesting here that they didn't get together and say, hey, hey, uh, let's ask Jesus if he can heal us. That would be cool, you know? They had a little meeting together and say, yeah, we all vote for Jesus to heal us. It doesn't, they're not asking for healing, they're asking for his mercy. 
In Matthew 8, Jesus touches a leper and heals him. Now in Luke 17, there's 10. And so it's possible that these lepers had heard Jesus had healed someone with leprosy earlier. You know, the rumor had gotten out. And then the rumor came that Jesus was coming into this village. Man, could it be possible that Jesus would be coming into our village where we have leprosy? Maybe Jesus will have mercy on us. Maybe he'll get us some food. You know, maybe he'll get us some new clothes. Maybe, just maybe, he can heal us. We don't know. And so they're crying out for mercy. And number four, Jesus sees the lepers. So not only does he hear them, he sees them. What is, what's that mean? Verse 14, he looked at them. He looked at them. I am so glad that Jesus sees you and he sees me. You know, some of you might think, oh, that, that's kind of creepy. You know, no, it isn't creepy. He sees us because he loves us. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. There's a song like that, right? I, I look at Matthew 10, 29, 30 in the message. I, I like this because... Um, in the New Living, it talks about sparrows, but here he talks about canaries. I, I had a pet canary when I was a little dude. I think everybody in my day and time had canaries. How many of you had canaries growing up? Huh? Am I the only one? Oh, there's a couple out there. Uh, yeah, man, we had canaries. They were cheap. And they were pretty. It says, what's the price of a pet canary? Some loose change, right? And God cares what happens to it even more than you. He pays even greater attention to you. In other words, he's always looking at you. If he's looking at the canaries, how much more is he paying greater attention to you down to the last detail, even numbering the hairs on your head? When do you want God to count the hairs on your head? I would vote he could count them when I'm sleeping. That would be a good time, right? Psalm 139, 13, David says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together. Look at verse 15. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. You watched me. See, he was looking at you. Verse 16, you saw me before I was born. You saw me. You were looking at me even before I was born, God. And he says, every day of my life was recorded in your book. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God, that can't be numbered. Isn't that cool? So when God's looking at you, it's not because he's spying on you, you know. The spy satellites from Russia and China. No, that's not God. No, he's, he's watching because he delights in you. And we see, number one, what Jesus says. He says, go and show. Go and show. Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, what Jesus is doing here is he's endorsing the Jewish uh, law. He, he's saying uh, that was part of the law, that, that if you had leprosy, you would have to go to the, to the priest, and he would have to put his stamp of approval and say, I see no sign of leprosy on you. You can go back into civilization. That would have to happen. And so Jesus is endorsing the law, and he's saying, 
Okay, guys, uh, just go back to the priests. Now, what I find out kind of interesting here is, uh, uh, what are we going to show the priest? You know, we have leprosy. They're just going to say, hey, you have leprosy. Notice Jesus doesn't heal them on the spot and then says, go show yourself. They have leprosy, and he's saying, go show yourself. Kind of interesting. What's he doing? He's kind of sliding the envelope and saying, dudes, do you trust me? Hmm? Yeah, for you, you could blow me off, and you can laugh at me and say, ah, man, who do you think you are? I have leprosy. I'm going to show me. Wasting my time. You know how busy I am? Hey. He says, go and show. God is speaking today. He speaks, and are we listening, and are we obeying? These ten lepers could have had a meeting saying, no, we, we decided we're not going to do what you said, Jesus. We don't want to do that. We're making fools of ourselves. We're wasting the priest's time. No, they went. Because look at number two. The lepers went and were healed. And as they went... They were cleansed of their leprosy. And in Greek, it's a picture of, it's not like every, every step they took, you know, boom, a little bit of leprosy gone, boom, another little bit of leprosy gone, you know, progressive healing. No, it's when they hit. Was it step four? How many vote on step four? We don't know how many steps, but we know this. They took so many steps, and boom, they were healed completely. They had it completely. They lost it completely. They were healed. As they went, you go and show, and they were healed on the way. Amazing. The, the faith. And, man, they could have, imagine if they would have voted, you know, like a democracy and said, no, we're voting. We're not going to do that. You know, Jesus is old-fashioned. He's out of touch. Uh, they would have never been healed, right? And so that leads us um, to number five. And this is really critical. Uh, only one leper returns. So all ten were healed, but only one comes back. Look at verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, I wish, I wish we could go back and if there was audio, you know, during that time and video. Um, how loud do you think he shouted? <laughs> Praise God. You think it was a little louder? Yeah. I think so. I think the dude got his megaphone out, man. I think he cranked up the volume because it, 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 it shouting, praise God! Ah! Some of you need to do that, man. You know, stir it up on the inside. Shake it up a little bit on the inside. Now, why would he do that? Well, verse 16, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. 
dot, dot, dot. This man was a Samaritan. He was a half-breed. He was, he was a loser in the Jewish community, so to speak. He was a loser. And so if we were to take a vote, you'd say he would be the last person that should have come back. It should have been the other nine Jews that came back. They should have come back. What are they doing? Look at this picture, man. We should, we should. That's kind of creepy, man. What's going on here? We should have that dude on our refrigerators. As a reminder, every time we go in the refrigerator, Lord, thank you for this refrigerator that keeps my food preserved. That's the one dude, man. Happy or sad? Man, he's, he's having a shouting spell right now. I tell you, man, you see, that te- you see the tears coming out? And, and this is where it messes with the dudes, man. You know, because we're supposed to be Mako. Tough. Jesus wept when he looked at Jerusalem. I think real men cry. When you sense the love of God, I, I listened to a story yesterday about a dude who, um, who was fatherless. His father abandoned him. And the pain, why would my dad do that, he says. Why would my dad not want to be with me? So many men live their lives fatherless or an absentee father, whatever. But to feel the love of the father, God, pouring it in on you, man, I tell you, you can't restrain yourself. And it brings healing. And this dude was talking about that. The fa- my father, God loves me and it's helping me become a better father to my kids see that's what brings healing and this one Samaritan he he celebrates that's what praise means to extol to magnify to celebrate and and there he is Jesus thank you thank you and overflow and How grateful, how grateful he is. Um, just to kind of put it all in perspective, in 1637, there was a German pastor by the name of Martin Rinkert. He wrote the hymn, Now Thank We All Our God. Now why would a man, listen, listen to these lyrics, God, with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things had done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. What would make a man sit down and write this? Well, let's just spin what was going on in German history. There was the 13-year war. There was plague, famine, where people were dying by the thousands. And, And... Martin's own wife passed away. And he did 
almost 4,500 funerals himself in the midst of this darkness in Germany. And he ends up sitting down, the next verse, all praise and thanks to the God, the Father now being given, the Son of whom who reigns with them in highest heaven, the one eternal God with whom earth and heaven adore, for thus it was, is now, and shall be evermore. What would make a man thank God in the midst of that darkness? What would, what would do that? It, it doesn't make sense. It simply means he trusted God and he was grateful for God no matter what happened in his world because this life is temporary and heaven is forever. That's how he could do that. And number six, Jesus notices and asks three questions. Verse 17. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except the foreigner? There's a host of verses we could go to to encourage us to thank our God. Psalm 105.1, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Psalm 107.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And even 1 Thessalonians 5 18, be thankful in all circumstances. And, and, and we see that Jesus asked three specific questions. Now, why would he do that? Because Jesus notices. He notices when you and I are grateful and thankful. He notices. He hears, he sees, he feels. Didn't I heal 10 men? Answer, yes. Where are the other nine? Gone. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? No one. And, and you, can, you can almost sense the surprise in these questions where Jesus was fully expecting all ten of these men to come and give thanks to him. Wouldn't you? If you had leprosy, wouldn't you come back and say thank you? It's a good question. Which side do you line up on? Do you line up with the nine? You know, I'm just going along with my life. I'm busy, you know. Or are you like with the Samaritan? I'm with you, dude. I'm coming back to say thank you. Uh, I think um, five-year-old Emily can teach us a little bit about being thankful. Sometimes kids, we heard it already earlier in the gathering, huh? The kids, man, they're, they're engaged. Listen to what she says. Hello, God. This is Emily. I'm fine. How are you? Thanks for the sky and the birds and stuff. Actually, I'm having a pretty good week. And thanks for the mashed potatoes, but not for the lima beans. I thank you really much for the meatloaf and thanks for the chairs and the tables and the doors and the couch and the TV and the walls, the roof and the bed and the bathroom and the towels and the grass and the clouds and the street. You kind of get the picture, right? Pretty grateful, Emily, five years old. Thank you, Emily, for teaching us grungy adults. Huh? We should step it up. Yeah. Number seven, 
Jesus saves. There were miracles for these ten men, but there was another miracle that was even more important. Verse 19, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Literally, your faith has saved you. What's this about? Something happened in the life of the Samaritan when he was walking, running towards the priest, and he was healed. He was healed physically. But can I tell you something? That's not what's most important. What's most important is that we are healed spiritually. Because these bodies, even if they're healed, will one day die. This tent will be folded up and packed away because we need a, a new body that will be able to live through eternity. Immortal. The Samaritan, man, something happened on the inside. This, this little bit of experience I've had with Jesus, he must be the Son of God. He must be the Savior of the world. There's a hole in my soul right now that's crying out for him, even though I've been healed, which is cool. But there's an emptiness in my soul right now. I'm going back because I believe he's got the answer. Now, in the text, we don't, we don't hear the whole dialogue, but I believe there was stuff being exchanged, Jesus and the Samaritan back and forth. Not only was he grateful for his physical healing, but I believe that he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus could say, your faith has saved you. Your faith in me has saved you. Boom. It's a great place to be. Ingratitude. Ingratitude is like leprosy in your soul. Do you realize that? It eats away your inside. It takes your joy away. It destroys your happiness. It cripples your joy. You become self-centered. You become, your world is, is, is it. And on the bottom of your notes, there, I've, I've summarized, I believe, um, the catalyst for developing gratitude in your life. And it's very simply this. I must spend time with Christ to cultivate gratitude. We could come up with a 5, a 10, a 15, 25 list of things to do. But I believe melting that all down by spending time with Jesus Christ, spending time in the watchtower like Habakkuk did, it is there that you will appreciate Jesus forgiving you your sins and my sins and how he took me from the kingdom of darkness and he transferred me into the kingdom of light. How grateful I am for that. And it makes me want to come back to him and say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for calling me your son. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Where would I be if it wasn't for you? We sang that just minutes ago. Man, I would be so messed up, friend. Alcohol is a stronghold in our family. 
my dad's side, my own cousin, killed in a bar fight in Chicago, alcoholic. Just another Where would I be? I'd be in a bar, drunk. I'd be addicted to drugs. I'd be whatever. Messed up. Full speed to hell. The grace of God. Thank you. Thank you. You've got to spend time with him to cultivate gratitude. You look at Israel in the Old Testament. They always started worshiping the fake, phony gods when they forgot God. They stopped saying thank you to him. You're going to say thank you to somebody. I choose to say thank you to him. Daniel, another... Young boy can teach us. Five-year-old Emily taught us. Daniel, eight years old, can teach us. He was born with a double cleft palate, dramatically disfiguring his face. He had surgery, but the evidence remained. People would constantly notice the difference and occasionally make remarks to Daniel. But Daniel was unfazed. He just tells people God made him that way, so what's the big deal? He was named student of the week at school recently, and he was asked to bring something to show his classmates at the show and tell. And so Daniel told his mom he was excited about it, and he said, Mom, I want, uh, I want pictures that you took that showed my face before I had surgery. Ah, his mom said, oh, Daniel, are you sure you want to do that? Won't that make you feel a little funny? with your classmates. And Daniel said, oh no, oh no. I want everybody to see what God did for me. Daniel, defiant gratitude. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, Daniel. And thank you, Mr. Samaritan man who shows us the way. Thank you, Lord, this morning. May we Realize, Lord, we can grieve you by not being grateful, by not being thankful. You're looking for it, Lord. Not, not because you need a pat on your back, but because it makes us a better person. So, Lord, help us today. Help us today to celebrate what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. And ultimately, Lord, we get to spend eternity with you. Lord, how thankful and grateful we are for you paying the price for our sins today. Jesus, yes, we come and we confess to you, Lord, we have sinned. We have taken you for granted. We have neglected uh, thanking you for all the blessings and all the gifts and all that you've done for us, Lord. And even now, 
What is God's spirit saying to you? Jesus saves, and I trust this morning, I hope this morning, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what's most important. Jesus, I believe you died for me. You paid my sin debt in full. Going to church isn't going to save me. Being Mr. Nice Guy is not going to save me. It's putting my faith, my trust in you, Jesus, that you forgive me of my sins, that my name is written in the book of life. Yes, Lord, we choose that with thankfulness and gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.